Allie, how's your week been? My week has been great. I went to the grocery store, bought all the ingredients to make cinnamon rolls, and okay. then didn't make cinnamon rolls. But sourdough, yeasted. Well, our friend promised sourdough and then did not deliver. So I was like, all right, we're just gonna do at you know, super active yeast or whatever. Mega. Great. Mega rise. But then no. But they haven't happened yet. They haven't happened because we got home and the dog that I'm dog sitting took a massive dump on the rug. And I was just like, so, you know what? Last week it was me slip sliding down the hallway. At least you found it sitting on a rug. I and didn't find I it. I walked through the door and I smelt it. You smelt it as well. There's something. There's something. Uh, what's the word? cursed about walking into a house and just like realizing something is wrong not knowing exactly like did a dog throw up did they eat something they're not supposed to did they just take a shit on my bed you know like that kind of thing it's a disturbing feeling yeah unsettling but before that we were at the grocery store getting the ingredients and we were checking out and you know the grocery stores are stacked for the holidays they've got extra people on staff thank god because gelson's usually only has one person working on any given rush hour got it and we're checking out and the cashier is like paper or plastic and i was like paper and she was like single or double i was like i've been single a long time so let's go with single and she was like girl i was single for four years like live it up you know it's the best time in your life and i was like yeah four years you know i've been single for like two and a half years and i was just like i bet like now the person you're with it's like you know super intentional right she's like oh fuck yeah like so me and this cashier are just like she is giving me words of wisdom to live by Amazing. and i was like she also had a little name tag that said cindy and she had two stars and it said like employee of the month or whatever i was like cindy i'm so grateful for you okay superstar cindy at yeah. the gelson and she was like you're grateful for me and about maybe two other people in this whole store i was like well you know what i really really am like thank you so much for that pep talk and you know if you're out there and you're single and you're thinking to yourself you know when will my person come along just know they will and until then what a gift live your fucking life and she was like cindy was like it's amazing to be single you don't have to worry about anyone else you don't have to answer to anyone else you're free she was like you're free and i was like it was just such a great framing. I love that. And she just got it. She picked up what I was putting down, yeah. you know, fully. Like you could you could make that joke of like, you know, it was a cheesy dad joke of like single bag, whatever. But she really went with it and was, oh, it was a great experience. I love that. Best experience I've, I've had in a Gelson's. Now that you're talking about Gelson's, now it has me thinking of like just grocery stores in general. Yeah. And then that also reminds me, I got you something. Oh my God. Are you going to surprise me on air? Yes. <gasps> Brett. I'm Do you so want to open it for our listeners? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. An unboxing. One second. Oh, okay. my God. I didn't wrap it. It's still it's, it's still in the Amazon packaging. <laughs> it came in just because I'm green that way. It's wrapped in a This sense. is for you. Oh, my God. Wait. Ew. <laughs> ew. Is it real? No, it's not real. Is it going to smell? I hope not. That's not why I bought it. Okay, Brett got me a fake banana that you can squeeze. And I think it's called like the the consistency of it is called like a mochi squishy. I'm going to open it. So that gives you like an idea. Yeah, it looks like a kind of like a, something you would fidget with, like or like throw at a wall. Like it looks kind of gummy. Yeah. Um, but it is a peeled banana. Cleanable and with soap and water. This is so thoughtful of you in an evil way. Yeah. Because Brett knows I hate bananas. Oh my god! Wait, this is actually insane, and it's really satisfying. Thank you, Brett. You're so welcome. I wish I brought you a gift. What could I bring you that would upset you? Something will come up. <laughs> What do you hate? Laziness. <laughs> I feel like that's a list. I mean, well, no. I mean, I can be lazy with the best of them. Yeah, no, totally. You actually don't hate laziness and you don't shame. You don't shame lazy people at all. No. Even though you are the energizer, the energizer bunny ever since you went keto. I'm just a Capricorn. <laughs> I'm just keto. He's a keto Capricorn. Watch out. Wait, I love this actually. Oh, sick. 
It's so upsetting, but like it's actually amazing. Might be a weird question. How firm is the banana? Not very firm. Like it's incredibly mushy. It's pretty flaccid. It's disgusting in the okay, best good. way. You want to feel it? Yeah. I love it. It's actually really satisfying. It's scary how like lifelike it is. It really looks like a banana. Yeah. I, mean, and I don't want like people to think it is a banana. Very high grade silicone. It really high grade. No, I love it. I'm going to play with this so much. I guess I should leave it here. No. It could be like our podcast banana. Thanks, Brett. You're so welcome. This is so thoughtful. Brett's really trying to get me into bananas slowly. It won't happen. I was kind of hoping you would gag, but that's okay. I'm glad you like it. No, if as long as it's not real, I won't gag. But speaking of gagging, oh no, I got ice cream today. Okay, I love ice cream. Wait, from where? If it, it well, wait. Was it good ice cream? It was good. Okay, give them a shout. Because remember, last week you had that terrible facial and we had to, for our own legal reasons, we had to redact those I know, people. I know. It was it was good ice cream. Do you want to guess where it was? It wasn't the best, but it was great. Was we, it Van Leeuwen? Vegan options. It was Van Leeuwen. Huh. So I go to Van Leeuwen today and I'm a Jenny's boy. Oh yeah. Jenny's personally. is number one. Yes. Jenny from Ohio, you were doing it. Thank you. Are there Jenny's in Ohio? Well, I mean, actual Jenny is from Ohio. But there's no Jennies in Ohio? Yeah, I think there's one in Columbus. Because I didn't even know them until I came to California. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. But so good. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, Jenny's does the cone right. A little salty. Oh. But so I go to Van Leuven. Oh, that's how you say it? They say that's how you say it. Van Leuven. Van Leuven. Now that you say that, though, it makes sense with the spelling. So I, okay, right? got it. Is it like a Danish word? I think it means the lion. Oh, it does. I've heard that. Oh, okay, cool. Nonetheless, I went to Van Leuven and I sampled some ice cream, but basically <laughs> I was with my friend and we sampled a bunch of flavors, but the guy that was serving us, so sweet, bless his heart. He gave us all these tries, just moved here from LA. He was like complimenting my friend's watch. He was like, I want to get that for my girl. And I was just like... <laughs> laughing at him like i don't know i just think it's funny when men are like my girl or like my sweetie yeah. like instead of like my partner like there's just something so charged i guess it, it feels like verbal pda you know to be like my sweetie or, or my girl yeah i'm just like okay got it ew uh, especially when they're not there yeah exactly yeah. Mm-hmm. it's like you can just be like my partner but you know mildly infantilizing yeah, yeah. And possessive yeah but whatever and he had a huge line of ice cream on his chin no like he'd been sampling before you got there yeah or something like his there was a huge amount of ice cream on his chin and i was like do i say something and like it was just you know did you no but then when we left my friend goes was the ice cream on his chin bothering you too and i was like laughing so hard because i wasn't gonna mention it because i was like what if it's not ice cream and he was like on his beard, you know what I mean? But like his beard was very short. So it was like kind of like. Bless this man. Bless this sweet man who had just moved here, like literally felt like three days ago. Who like is working at Van Leeuwen, like just moved to LA, wants to get this watch for his girl, giving me six different samples. But like I just like could not stop looking at the ice cream on his face. And it's just like it was re- it felt like a test. Of like, am I going to tell this man? or Like maybe he was an angel in disguise and maybe you failed the test. His co-worker is Or maybe you passed because you were kind to him. Right? His co-worker is really the the chaotic evil here. Yeah. (laughs) Like I was a lawful neutral, I would say. Yeah. He was a very lawful good. I like to be chaotic good. Like he was lawful good because when I was like, can you do a split scoop? He was like, sorry, that's against policy. Oh, wow. Yeah. he's. I was like, wow. In LA, like other places, I was like, I literally was like, Jenny's does a split scoop. Right. And they were, he's like, I have given a split scoop to a nine-year-old once because she was ordering herself and I felt like I couldn't tell her. I was like, well, I'm nine. <laughs> but anyways, very lawful. You're chaotic. Good. Yeah. But you're also very lawful. I think it depends on the day. Because you're a Capricorn. Yeah. Mega Capricorn. But the, the, the chaos comes. I'm an, I'm an Aries moon. Right. So that's where the chaos comes in. I also, I feel like I'm chaotic good. Yeah, but maybe I think chaotic so too. neutral. <laughs> I think I'm mostly good. Can you update me about Artemis? Oh, yeah. So the Artemis mission is happening. I mean... Was it launched yet? It was launched. It was launched. Finally. We've been edging on this story since we literally started this podcast. Right. Of like, we're returning to the moon for they the first time. They got it off the ground splendidly. Uh-huh. Watching the launch, like dead of night, it looked like the sun was rising over the horizon. It was such a bright light that was happening. Really? Some friends of mine were actually there. They said the shockwave was just like 
unreal like From vibrating the rocket taking off vibrating their organs inside their bodies it was no. such a like no. the air was trembling does that happen every time a rocket launches yeah but not like to this degree because this is like the biggest rocket that nasa has built okay because eventually it's gonna like take us to mars also like how many people oh i don't know like less than 10 Oh, because you're like, eventually this is going to take us to Mars. Yeah, but what, I mean, this when technology. I say take us to Mars, I mean like the crew from NASA who's going to be working out of like like a habitat type setting. Like, did, did you see, what was that movie? The Martian? I never saw it. Not Brad Pitt. Who's the other one? Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Never saw it. Kind of like that. Like very small quarters, cramped, like a settlement. Less, less On like. Mars. Yeah, will be its purpose. Huh. So it launched blew the absolute shit out of the launch pad nasa played it down but then photos were released afterwards in a bad way it's normal for nasa to have to do repairs to a launch pad like repouring concrete things like that blast doors from the elevators were blown off oh fuck because this rocket was just so powerful it made such a mess of the launch pad which i'm like well Is amazing now we've got to make stronger launch pads right so the rocket leaves earth inserts itself into orbit the cap soul leaves and it's already circled around the moon and basically what it's doing is it's using the speed of itself from launch to leave earth's gravity uh-huh approach the moon circle around the moon to take pictures and then use the gravity of the moon when it reaches a certain point to slingshot itself back to the earth so it can do a splashdown in the ocean a lot like the apollo mission right is that our only way to land a rocket back on Earth is like, like a gravity assist? It must like land in the ocean. Like we can't like ground a rocket the way we can land a plane. No, we can. Oh, we can. That's what SpaceX does. Got it. That's what I was talking about last week where China is kind of maybe about to be giving NASA a run for their money by introducing this heavy rocket that's kind of on par with the rocket that NASA just launched. But with the only difference being China's rocket reportedly will be able to go up put the capsule into its orbit and then come back and land itself a lot like the SpaceX rocket versus NASA's that big massive thing. I mean, you think about it. The crew capsule is just the tiny little cherry on top of that whole flaming cake that's going so up into the sky. Crazy. Everything else falls into the ocean and is discarded. So nuts. I'm watching the video. Oh my god. Oh my god. So yeah, was a success. NASA people are literally quite literally over the moon. It sent back photos How? from what's called the dark side of the moon. It's not actually dark. It's just the side that always faces away from Earth because the moon is tidally locked with the Earth. So we always see the same side of it. Right. I have heard that. The dark side of the moon. Yeah. It is so crazy. Like something about our rocket technology does feel extremely primitive. Like just the amount of fire and gas definitely promethean you know like yeah. i just feel like we're missing some very obvious propulsive technology that doesn't require as much like firepower well i think it's coming i mean yeah theorized just as... looking at this i'm like this looks like an atom bomb <laughs> you yeah know? but i mean probably the world over but in america especially scientific advancement usually comes about because first there was either a military application for it or there was some kind of a need that forced the technological application and then at a point it obviously just gets filtered down to the consumer level making me think so many things sorry and i'm still watching so i'm looking at the footage of the dark side of the moon mm -hmm. it's uncanny it's like looking at because it's our moon but it's not a moon that you would recognize no it's missing those craters like yeah. that we're so used to so it got all these this is the first time we've gotten these images of the moon mm, probably in this definition but no it's high def you yeah. guys very very good image quality wow ali's having a full galaxy brain right now and so that's it and then is it done well i think the mission is total like you know end to end it's like a 25 26 day mission in total got it so it's and still then, up there but it's constantly relaying data and information back to nasa on the ground at houston and also at kennedy in florida mm -hmm. and basically the engineers at nasa the scientists at nasa are going to be taking all of that data to put it into application because they've already picked astronauts for the crewed mission got it for 2024 fingers crossed if it doesn't get delayed back to the moon back to the moon got it but here's the disappointing thing. What? Once the crewed mission goes back to the moon, they're not landing on the moon. Right. They're taking the exact same orbital flight path that the capsule is taking now, which <sighs> is just flying around it, doing its observations and coming back to Earth. The next mission actually lands on the moon. With people. Yeah. For what? 
mid-late 2030s. Well, eventually we have to establish a presence on the moon as like, um, I think like a space, like an airport, like a spaceport. Right. To act as a midway point between planet Earth, planet Mars, and the rest of the cosmos. So we're going to start building on the moon. Yes. At least a launch pad. Well, like colony, launch pad. I mean, you need a launch pad Gardens, hospital, like everything that you would need to physically be on a different moon people. Orbital body in our solar system. You know what? I'm here for it. If we can start moving toward space, I do believe it will heal a lot of problems in a way that's a very beautiful <laughs> mindset like i, I just, agree i i agree know? with you like i do hope for that but also i just know that there's so many private corporations who are I going mean, take, to perpetuate e- even the take, problems take for example moon. like meteors that we you know aren't on like an impact course with earth but we're able to like track them and see where they are and like if you can send autonomous vehicles to those things that have the ability to mine them for their resources then that's earthbound mega billionaires becoming like right mega gigillionaires you know whatever whenever they come by you know a meteor made of platinum or you know whatever you're right you're right colonizing the moon won't offset the majority of the population being exploited. (laughs) And honestly, I think that just comes down to maybe a condition of humanity where like, you know, we obviously obviously hold on for hope. We obviously try our best, you know, like all these things. But like, I think ultimately at the end of it, that's maybe a condition of humanity that like in one way or another, there's always going to be ego. Mm -hmm. And ego can always open the door and be the predecessor to downfall right which is interesting that we've kind of wound up there because i think we should get into the episode okay also i want to say last week you told us that we were gonna you lied to me oh yes i did you told me that we were gonna be logging back into the game this week i've been in this v suit for a week i'd like to issue a formal apology and i can't log back on until next week i lied i said this week was gonna be three body the game but we are actually in red coast four it's actually the end of red coast yeah so but you know what next week i promise you we will be logging back on but no i'm excited to hear this like i mean i heard it before what i promise you i've heard it before (laughs) all my credibility is shot though what i will say is along the lines that we were thinking of like maybe it's a condition of humanity that it kind of plays like kind of a heavy role in In what we're learning today in this chapter start two one You're listening to Radar Peak, a three-body podcast reviewing our way through the three-body problem and discussing its real-life parallels. I'm Allie. I'm Brett. And on this episode, we're talking technology and human progress. What would happen if we contacted another intelligent species and ultimate destruction as we dive into Chapter 14, Red Coast 4. Energy unit reporting. All systems go. Cutting unit reporting. All systems go. Amplifier unit reporting. All systems go. Interference monitor unit reporting. Within acceptable range. Begin transmission. Last week, Ali, you took us through all of these declassified documents talking about the secretive work that was actually going on up at Radar Peak, how the base was operating under a cover story, you know, because at that point, right. we, we just knew they were trying to like use microwaves to take down unfriendly satellites. But that wasn't what was actually going on and how that like right. really all the work being done was really just one huge effort to contact extraterrestrials. Mm-hmm. This chapter picks up and we're still kind of in the moments where Ye Wenji is having this conversation with Wang. Right. At this point, she's finished spilling all of this tea because, I mean, remember, you were giving us these documents and sort of breaking them down very, very well, I might say, for us. Thank but, you. And there was the question of like, who wrote this document? Right. At the time when Ye Wenji is telling all these things 
to Wang, she's actually revealing potentially state secrets because they're still classified. So Mm -hmm. we kind of have the benefit of being removed in time, Freedom of Information Act requests, sort of like distributing it to the people. She's really sort of like throwing it all to the wind and being like, you know what? It's all out there anyway. I'm just going to tell you everything that I know because I was there. This is my experience. So does like Wang have questions? Is that what this chapter is about? Like me, like you, probably like many of you as well. Wang has lots of questions and Ye Wenji's his friend at this point. So he feels comfortable. He's like, well, I mean, she's already told me literal state secrets. Let's get some clarity. So Wang asks Professor Ye, he's like, listen, back then when you were at Radar Peak, SETI was such a niche form of research. Like not very many laboratories, governments even were performing SETI research. Why did the government feel that it was necessary to give Radar Peak and the Red Coast Project such high security? Mm, Like they they destroyed the road in and out. They had snipers in the woods. They only had helicopter traffic coming in and out. And yeah, he's like, you know what? Good question. (laughs) That was actually one of the first questions that got asked. And it's actually the one question that was asked until the very end of the project. Yeah, he's like, but you should know the answer. The top decision makers were very successful at thinking long term. Right, as we heard in those documents. Yes. And in the present day, it's only been pretty recent that SETI started gaining popularity among other researchers. By this point in present day, real thought has been put into thinking about, okay, what happens when we make contact? What happens if we find another civilization? What happens if we send a message and they leave us on red? If they send a message to us and they want us to speak back, like, what do we do? Mm -hmm. And the research conclusions are startling. At this point, people's like Hollywood dreams of like meeting a really friendly, heartwarming, like alien, like E.T. like has been destroyed. Okay. Scholars studying the search for extraterrestrial intelligence Mm -hmm. had determined that even though people thought that they wanted to contact an extraterrestrial civilization, it was a terrible idea for the human race as a whole to make contact. Just like statistically speaking. Oh, why do I? Okay. I feel like, right. These researchers are like specialized in probability and like playing out some sort of scenario. Like game theory game sort of theory, thing. theory, exactly. And maybe like, yeah, like they reasoned out all the different reasons why an extraterrestrial would get in contact with the human civilization and maybe statistically just like 90 like just some there was a larger number of dangerous like reasons cons versus pros cons. yeah exactly it's not so to be like, like friends you're like 87 and a half percent of the way there okay tell me the reason of why these scholars were like we shouldn't do this we have to stop sending these messages we can't be doing this is because if and when humans ever make contact i mean think about it right now if you had to describe society even just in america today what are like three words that would immediately come to mind racist sexist (laughs) capitalist okay so like yeah definitely not positive adjectives that like immediately come to mind racist in in the event that so (laughs) i love the linda lindas so in the event that humanity actually makes contact with an extraterrestrial intelligence the dividing lines between groups of people in society would only get worse really is the conclusion that they arrived to huh culture wars would increase Mm. ideological and political lines would become more bold-faced well it's like that scene in contact remember when she's like about to go up and she passes like all those people and they're like protesting and some people are worshiping and it reminds me of that and ultimately more likely than not the things that already were dividing groups of people would become so exaggerated that it would likely and here's the kicker it would likely lead to the entire ruin of humanity as a species because you think about it we've talked i mean imploding we've we've heard it we've heard it from dasha at this point like have you ever faced anything in your life that has just fundamentally rocked you so much to your core that it's made you question the entire nature of your existence and like since the dawn of humanity the answer's been no because i mean problems have come up on earth problems have come up you know relating to wars that are happening between disagreements between different religious factions different political factions but like nothing has ever happened when humanity has been around that was like the size of an asteroid barreling towards the planet like what took out the dinosaurs or bigger Right. I was talking about this the other day with someone about how like we have this false sense of superiority because it's like we dug up these dinosaur bones and we see these like monsters that once roamed this earth ruled this earth these massive creatures and they're everywhere. That's not even to say anything about the insects. Yeah. What? 
like actual bugs, like as big as school buses. Oh, yes. That we also find. Yeah. Right. And I think there is contributes to the anthrocentric arrogance that like, oh, we are the strongest species and that's why we're alive. It's like, no, we are the luckiest species. Well, it's also like we thought we were the strongest species until the virus that causes COVID-19, that coronavirus, SARS-CoV-2. Like when she showed up, she's like... Honey, you know what I mean? Like, have you met my family? It takes not very much to remind humans that, like, we're kind of like in this very precarious sort of constant balancing act, constant balance, constant battle. So, out of the reasons for these scholars deciding, like, hey guys, we don't, we need to, we need to stop doing this. Mm -hmm. Startling most of all was the realization that it wouldn't matter to what degree we made contact, because, like, you remember last week also, you talked about unidirectional contact versus bi-directional contact mm-hmm. how like one might be better than the other like is it better to just send a message or just receive a message or have an exchange of messages pen pal. Where, yeah where it's like sort of like a common thing happening oh my god extraterrestrial pen pal but these scholars decided that regardless of literally all of that any contact at all whatsoever hundred percent full stop would almost certainly lead to disaster for the human race okay that's crazy i'm getting the chills because it also you know going back to this idea that the book we don't know what's true which we don't know what's not true mm-hmm. like as we talked about last week project ozma like all, all of these the voyager like these are all real things these all sound like real documents real research it would explain why If we are doing SETI research. Which we are. They are hiding it. Because if there are researchers who have come to this conclusion, then that's, it follows. And to your point, again, this is just like another example of Sishin Liu sort of like, like so expertly crafting this story that is like clearly a fiction, but it's like so closely woven with real events, real happenings, real ideas, real science, even mm-hmm. that like sometimes it's really actually hard to tell what's real and what's not. And so this idea that, you know, it, it, it really wouldn't matter if there's only one direction of communication or if it's a bi-directional exchange of communication between humanity and aliens. Any because contact. the narrator talks about a sociologist who is called Bill Mathers of the Rand Corporation. The Rand Corporation actually exists, but per the Archival Society of the Rand Corporation, no sociologist by the name of Bill Mathers has ever existed. But the narrator tells us that in the scope of this story and from what Ye Wenji is telling Wang, a sociologist by the name of Bill Mathers of the Rand Corporation wrote a book that proposed these very ideas as an actual theory. His book was titled The 1000 Light Year Iron Curtain, SETI Sociology. And in this book, Bill Mathers talks about degrees of contact and what they could mean for humanity. Like this, it's not like, it's not just like a new thought. These scholars who were actually studying this as it relates to Radar Peak are very well informed. They're not just hypothesizing. They're actually doing external research, forming their own ideas, and then putting, you know, new things into application. Like they're very, very well read on the subject. And in his book, Bill Mathers is talking about degrees of contact and what they could mean for humanity. So on one level, he describes it and comes up with the phrase that's called elementary contact. Okay. Sounds like simple. Like maybe the most basic form. Mm -hmm. Elementary contact. Imagine we confirm a race of extraterrestrials exists, Mm -hmm. but no other communication happens. Think like we intercept a signature or like one of our satellites observes an exoplanet and is able to pick up on biosignatures, something like that. Just something proving extraterrestrial life, but not necessarily communicating with. Yeah. If this elementary contact happened Uh and it was made by a single nation, we'll just say the United States, it would obviously lead to massive advances in technology, the security complex. I mean, like literally you name it, like science advances in general, philosophical advances. And ultimately it would amount to that nation having like the actual biggest leg up on any other nation that's right. ever happened in history. Right. Fuck. Especially when you think about what it means for their economy mm-hmm. and their military. Mm-hmm. Right. Because... They're going to basically be like printing money because it overnight it creates so many more jobs. Right. You need scientists to do the observations. You need people to beef up the military to right. add to the military industrial complex for the security. 
you need more people who are actually able to build the technological systems needed. I mean, like, it's such a domino cascading effect. If one nation makes this discovery, it means everything for that one nation and even more for every other nation that doesn't make contact or confirm that they exist. You know what this is reminding me of? What's that? Well, one, obviously, like, the space race. If the U.S. theoretically, like, made contact, like, I feel like Russia would be like, so did we... But that's not actually what I was going to say. I was talking recently with someone about, are we using the English language to communicate with each other? Or is the English language using us to replicate itself and reproduce? And I'm thinking about like the same with capitalism. Is capitalism its own frequency or its own consciousness, its own energy, right? Like that wants to be replicated. Like everything in the universe wants to be replicated seemingly. Viruses, humans, animals and and same with these like thought forms that we consider to be our own creations but in fact like if you look I mean like you can't actually distinguish whether or not like we are using it or it is using us yeah and so I'm just thinking about like this would be if the U.S. were the country to make contact or uh, just confirm the existence of yes an intelligent civilization some elementary yeah. contact that would be a big win for capitalism and its lifespan because like you just said it would create all these jobs it would create you know and it's the same reason why like yeah like if china were the first one to make contact it would whatever their like zeitgeist is it doesn't matter the nation like just whichever nation overnight economy go boom military go boom jobs go boom but i'm just thinking yeah it's like we think we're searching for something we think we're trying to like expand the human race but there are things that are using the human race to expand itself and i just love that idea of like you know we're not as in control as we think so that was just a little tangent and so Ye wenji is telling all of this to wang and he was like oh oh okay and then he asks her he's like well wait how did the red coast project come to an end because i thought you said that you were signing up for a lifetime appointment on the base and you were never right. gonna leave and like how are. how are you here basically right and again yay wenji is like i bet you know the answer okay she's like kind of playing coy but like also she's like how with it is this guy yeah deep down wang knows that if the scientists up on radar peak who were participating in and running the red coast project if they had made contact with like any other kind of intelligent civilization the world today would be like such a different place you know I right mean, like in every area of life so presumably it just went defunct it would be affected by this discovery right. so he's like well they obviously, obviously didn't, didn't make find this anything. discovery so yeah. in his gut he's like they obviously failed right and when he's thinking this he's like i should probably try to console yay she like pretty much gave her life to this project and so he's like you know what yay for what it's worth and this is kind of in line with something that we said maybe last week maybe the week before Wang meow says to yay he's like you know what the signals that you guys were sending out like i know the project is over i know you probably think you failed but think about it logically. Those radio signals haven't really even had that much time to go very far out into space right, yet. Right, they're still going, right? Presumably. Yes. What we talked about is like whenever radio waves move through space, they're unimpeded in the way that they'll right. move on forever. Right. But remember what we talked about last week with frequency? Mm-hmm versus like how frequency moves Mm -hmm. yay says to wang she's like yeah i hear you like thank you no pun intended i wasn't really like worried about that (laughs) but like thanks for saying that but like the only problem is that the further out in space radio frequencies travel the more they get weakened right so like you send out a very high frequency by the time it like passes pluto it looks nothing like the frequency that you send Mm. because what do we know about entropy Things want to be at relaxed, comfortable stasis. Mm -hmm. So the weaker the signal, the less chance an intelligent civilization existing anywhere has of intercepting and then understanding what that signal is. Like at a point, it's just going to sound like the background noise of the cosmic microwave background radiation. Mm -hmm. And then it's at this point that the narrator gives us some additional information. So for example, for Earth to be detected by the signals that we've been sending out into space, the transmission power required to send a signal strong enough would have to be equal to the energy released from a mid-sized star. Which we don't have the power to do. 
do. And you know, like CERN's Large Hadron Collider, I mean, it's operating at the highest power that it's been operating at in its existence, mm-hmm. but like nowhere near the power of, of like a, a mid-sized star. No. Like there's just no way. It's at this point we get into a really fun discussion. And I'm curious what you know. Have you two questions you can answer either both or one of them or just part of them however have you ever heard of and if so what do you know about the kardashev scale Ooh, rings a bell okay i love it i remember loving it what's what do you think is the ballpark is the kardashev scale is kardashev the scale about the power of a planet? Not wrong. Okay. The power of a civilization? Yes. Ah! I've been waiting for the Kardashev scale to come up. I didn't I didn't remember that's what it was called, but please lay on our listeners what the Kardashev scale is because this is something I want to burn into my I mean it's been burned into my brain even though I can't remember what it's called it's like fascinating to think about but also hard to think about but also like I love a classification system when I say hard I mean like uncomfortable to think about yeah yeah so the Kardashev scale Kardashev is the name of the scientist who put forth this scale as a way of classifying intelligent civilizations naturally so Ye starts telling Wang about this measurement of civilizations and basically think of it like this any civilization that's in existence can be categorized into one of three types Mm -hmm. type one type two type three okay and the type is determined by the amount and type of power that they have at their disposal and it seems simplistic until you get into like what does it mean to be a type one what does it mean to be type two so on so on so on Mm -hmm. so type one this type of civilization can harness the total power output of their home planet so for example the output of the earth is between 10 to the 15 and 10 to the 16 watts. Got it. That is the total... 10 with 15 or 10 with 16 16 zeros zeros. after it. Somewhere between there is the total wattage of power output that the Earth produces. That's like billions, 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 trillions. Yes, is type one. Type two, this type of civilization can harness the total power of their host star. So in our case, Sol, which is the name of our sun, Mm -hmm. is 3.9 times 10 to the 26 watts. Do you know how big that number is? No. So it's like 10 with 26 zeros after? 3.9 times 10 to the 26. Oh my God. If you wanted to say it not in formula form, you yeah. could say it how, to quote Bill Nye, as 400 septillion watts. Oh my God. Which if you we know the math is equivalent to 400 trillion trillion watts. Oh shit. So this ain't us. Okay, got it. No, we do not have that power. Not even close. A type three civilization. Literally, like you, you run the microwave at the same time as your blow dryer and everything's on the fritz. We don't like, have the power to run. Los even... Angeles loses the power grid if like the wind is blowing too spicy. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> and this goes back to what I was saying about like the rocket ship. Like it just looks primitive. What did you call it? Promethean. Promethean. It looks basic. Like, yeah, we invented mm-hmm. fire, but it's like, come on, like let's harness the power of the sun. We haven't. So, okay, we are obviously a type one. Have we? Are we even a type one? Well, then there's type three. Okay, I'm sorry cut all what i just, I know but it's know, it's great because it's I giving you all of these thoughts and they're okay. all relevant i promise you will so, get to all of them right so so sorry let's type, just review type one power of your home planet got it type two power of your host star okay type three this type of civilization can harness the power of their host galaxy <gasps> so that means they're harnessing the power of the black hole at the center of their galaxy the thing that's keeping their galaxy glued together and this is why like we are just thinking in we are small-minded thinkers on this planet like just we have idea. a hard time thinking 10 years into the future. Kardashev is like, we can, har- like, there are civilizations that can harness the power. Or it would stand to reason. Right. Yes. Of a galaxy. Not just a nuclear fucking power plant. Yeah. The entire fucking galaxy. If we could do that, we would only need a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of that energy to, like, 
make everything run. We wouldn't be burning fossil fuels. We wouldn't be like the planet would be sustainable. Yeah. There's because yeah. you're harnessing energy that's free Already, for disposal. Yes. And is in abundance. So, I mean, I kind of partially gave it away. But if you had to guess type one, type two, type three, where on that scale would you place the human race? I would say type one, if that. It sounds like we're not even type one. So is that- Ye Wenji gives Wang the answer. She's like, currently with all the technology that we have available, we're only at about 0.7 out of one. Because we're not even harnessing the full power of our planet. And even when we're sending signals with our highest power at radar peak, mm-hmm. our power output was only about one ten millionth the power of the earth we may as well have been a mosquito buzzing around nobody could hear us oh i'm just like filled with like empathetic q existential crisis of just like you work so hard to put out these signals and to monitor and listen and send and it's for nothing no one can hear you screaming but Ye says that if a type 2 or if a type 3 civilization does exist yeah even if we can't reach them because like obviously we're not at a point where we can harness the power of the planet we would still be able to hear them and confirm for ourselves that they exist right right even if we have no way of like contacting them right it's a one-way telephone. In the 20 years that the Red Coast Project was operating, not a single sign of life was heard. So that's just people day in, day out, headphones on. What a boring job. Eyes going bloodshot because they're staring at a screen. Praying to hear something. With no return. And so Wang is like, okay, so does that mean that the Earth is the only place that has intelligent life? And Ye lets out a big sigh. And she's like, we honestly may never know that answer. Mm. Theoretically, that's how it appears. And Ye tells Wang that the project being shut down was the culmination of years of gradual decline. Back in the early 80s, there was this massive renovation effort that had taken place up on Radar Peak because you kind of remember when she started, she was like, these working conditions aren't great. We barely have heat in some places. The computers have to be turned off every 15 hours. Like it's just, it's not ideal. So in the early 80s, they start to just kind of like overhaul everything because I guess, you know, they had extra money. They're like, let's do, we're already working on this. Let's do it. The transmission and the monitoring departments both got massive upgrades the transmission system became automated the monitoring department was upgraded so now that they're running on new miniaturized ibm computers not those old things that could only run for 15 hours at a time and after a while people started to realize just how difficult the work of seti is and how tedious it can prove to be so ultimately leadership just lost interest in the project damn they're like we're spending all of this money we're not picking up any signals we're just like playing around with toys on the top of a mountain it's a waste we're not going to do this anymore right the next thing that followed was a reduction in the base's security rating now anyone can come (laughs) the higher ups decided that since they weren't so aggressively pursuing seti any further the base didn't need such a high security level so the security forces at the base that at one point had kind of seemed like it was a small army got reduced down to the size of a group and then to half a group damn and then to the point where ultimately no more than five security guards remained on the base okay they're just like slashing slashing it's like black friday half off here (laughs) half off there (laughs) it's like elon musk on twitter like very that in addition the red coast project was basically transferred away from the ownership of the CCP uh-huh. and ownership was placed within the hands of the Chinese Academy of Sciences Astronomy Institute. Okay. And the research that started taking place under the Chinese Academy of Sciences basically had nothing to do with SETI. Okay. So all in all, the higher-ups lost interest, the government lost interest, the people working there lost interest. The project basically got hacked apart and everything lost its way. Do we know what they started using it for? Yes. Ye tells Wang that during this time, the project took on radio astronomy research. Okay. Very in line with Ye Wenji's line of experience, like why they hired her here in the first place. Mm -hmm. During this time, they took the radio telescope on top of the mountain and started observing solar electromagnetic activity. So when this research geared up, the base decided, okay, this is like a good new direction for us to be going in. They added a new telescope specifically 
specifically for observing the sun. Cool. So all in all, like the original goal of Red Coast Project was like kind of falling apart. But Mm -hmm. Ye tells Wang that because of this solar research that started happening, like the project wasn't a total wash. Right. It wasn't a priority, but like we continued to operate. Yeah. Like we didn't get out of it what we had gone into it hoping for, but like we're still getting back, I guess, like some research, some valuable data, like whatever. (laughs) Yeah. And then later on, the base ultimately just became too expensive to maintain. The Academy of Sciences wasn't able to keep up the funding that they needed to keep the base operational. And eventually the whole location was scheduled to be converted for civilian use. Damn, like museum? Maybe museum, maybe park, since it's so, you know, like out in nature. Just in general, it's being designated away from this like high top secret military level secure area. It's being like ultimately eventually anybody can come here. Damn, And officially Red Coast's operations decommissioned suspended <gasps> in what year does she say um she doesn't say at this point but the narrator does give us some more backstory here while Ye was working at radar peak do you remember when she was working so the last time when she was telling wang about everything that was going on and she was getting called to the office and she's having this meeting between commissar lay and yang winning and like commissar lay is like listen you really better not fuck this up but then yang is also like listen We're there's still the time like you don't have have to do this but if we tell you what's going on then like you're basically going to be here forever so yes. you remember those two people yep while Ye was up at radar peak doing all of that work she married yang winning <gasps> she married yang yeah she fell in love they had an easy marriage no drama it just like worked they cared about each other they were doing work that was meaningful it didn't matter to them really that they weren't getting the results that they wanted because they were there together and it just worked but then tragically what an unspecified accident happens at the base and it kills both yang and commissioner lay no and so at this point a pregnant ye wenji was left to give birth to baby yang dong all by herself wow Oh my god, chills. So by the mid-80s, Ye Wenji and Little Yang Dong left Radar Peak when the whole project was officially decommissioned. Wow. Oh my god, I have chills. I'm thinking of that picture of them in Yang Dong's room I with know. the big parabolic antenna behind them and the wind howling. The happiness, but also the pain Ye Wenji was probably feeling all at the same yeah, time. Yeah, just like growing up in, in Radar Peak. Okay, go on. So... At this point, Ye goes back to Tsinghua University mm-hmm. and takes up a teaching position because the work is done. She's released from her contract. There's the answer. That's how she got out of Radar Peak. Her work in SETI had, in her own words, had this really profound influence on her perspective on life and existing in general. Mm-hmm. She tells Wang, of all those nights observing the cosmos, headphones on, you know, like dialed in, trying to detect any signal of life, she could hear the lifeless noises of the universe faint but like never stopping like almost eternal Mm -hmm. is how she describes them Ye says to wang that it reminded her of the way that the wind howled through the greater king on mountains which is like oh my god it reminds me of what you put like what we shared on the tiktok the The sounds sounds of of the cosmic microwave background very like that like it does sound kind of constant like droning it's like always there that kind of perspective is really isolating and humbling. Ye Wenji's having this realization in like on a cosmic scale. Ye says that when she would look up at the night sky, to her, she could really easily imagine that everything she was looking at was this vast desert. And that the more she stared out at it, the more she came to the conclusion that life was this massive cosmic fluke. That it had happened in the first place. Mm. And from all her observations, like, sure, the universe is full of galaxies, exoplanets, star systems, comets. I mean, you name it, like all kinds of matter. For all of that something, Mm -hmm. it's full of nothing. Mm. A lot of empty space. And then she says this kind of thinking really kind of messed up the second half of her life, like post leaving Radar Peak. Mm -hmm. Sometimes she would just catch herself thinking to herself like, man, life is so special and precious. Like I just, wow, I'm in awe of everything that I get to do, the people that I existing and just like every aspect of life. But then at other times she would be on the other end of that spectrum and like 
full nihilism, thinking like nothing actually matters. We are so insignificant that it's almost hilarious. Mm -hmm. So she's just vacillating like a Geiger counter back and forth between these two sort of ideas. And yeah, when she says to Wang, like I went on like that, going back and forth between the two. And before I knew it, I was old. I was like I am as you see me now. Wow. And all Wang wants to do at this point, because like obviously like new buddy, he's already tried to comfort her a little bit before, but like this just got like really deep, really fast. Now he knows about like the tragedy that took her husband and Yang Dong's father away, like all of this stuff. Yeah. All Wang wants to do is comfort her because right. he can clearly see how fucked up she is about all of this. He's an empath. But hearing everything that Ye Wenji has just said, he winds up sinking to the same emotional lows that she's in, recounting all of this in the first place. And Wang tries to find words and he realizes that all he has to say to Ye Wenji is one day I'll go with you and we'll visit what's left of Red Coast Base. Oh. Which, like, what a gesture. Such a nice gesture. But Ye's like, mm, I don't know about that. I'm old. The future is uncertain. And I'm honestly just living my life day to day. Yeah. You never know when it'll all be over. And at this point, where I just had to, like, take a minute because I feel so sad for Ye Wenji. I'm like, she's devoted her whole life, basically, to this calling of trying to place humanity among the stars and, you know, like, find its place to stand to be like, we were here and we were intelligent and we figured out all of these things, but also we contemplated what it means to even exist. And, like, that's a high calling, A. Hard work, B, and then, like, C, it's, like, fruitless. It returned nothing to her. Mm-hmm. Aside from raising a brilliant daughter, Ye really doesn't have that much to show for her life and the work that she done mm. and now her daughter's gone it's just really heartbreaking i was yeah. just very like oh it is heartbreaking so Shen Lu, what are you doing to me yeah and so as they sit together wang notices obviously she said at this point i'm an old woman wang's just like looking at her and like seeing her lost in her thoughts and he's noticing her like perfectly metallic silver hair mm. and he's realizing it's like a metaphor basically for the compounding of like the passage of time all the stress she's had to endure coming up short mm. in multiple areas of her life all on display for him just shown through the color of her hair wow and in this like final moment of silence between the two of them he knows all ye wenji is thinking about is yang dong that is so beautiful and Xishin Lu is really pulling at our heartstrings yeah i mean I already cared about both Wang and Ye Wenji, but now I'm like... It's a real human moment. I am ride or die for these two at this point. And like, all we do is for what, you know? And like, I think we can all relate to that kind of like existential crisis that we vacillate between. And if anything does feel meaningful, it does kind of feel like astrophysics, like Mm -hmm. figuring out like what we are and why we're here and if we're alone, you know, and everything else kind of just feels like filler. There's a great actually, uh, there's a great proverb that goes, you know, one should walk around with a piece of paper in each pocket. In one pocket, it says, I am but dust in the wind. Mm. And in the other pocket, it says, the world was made for me. Oh. And so just like we as human beings walk and live and breathe between those two truths. That is the nature of being alive. Yeah. Being human. And it's like, even though in all of the time doing that work, day in, day out, I mean, how many countless hours just literally scanning the cosmos for signs of life and never once finding anything, still walking away with the perspective of like, kind of like what Wang, except when, you know, when Wang was facing it, it, it kind of actually sent him into a panic attack. So Ye Wenji is maybe a little better at handling these thoughts. She's grappled with it for longer, maybe. But she's physically placing herself in space almost in scale inside the universe and she's realizing like i'm not even a speck of dust on the scale of the universe right like the closest thing that she could probably even compare herself to singularly would be like a single quantum particle right here and then not yeah calming in a way but also easy to get fucked up over yeah yeah nihilistic yeah but we also spend a lot of time like being anxious about like meaningless things yeah so i'm also thinking a lot about like this post-truth 
world we Mm -hmm. live in and how that intersects with seti because i I, at first i was thinking like you know you mean it's a movie we make contact or in what way even just like presently at first i was thinking like has the search for extraterrestrial intelligence actually like remained sort of untouched by this post-truth world or actually is it the most prime example of like well we actually don't know what's true you know i just think about like how facts have been totally upended and like you can say what you want and there's no like credible like just there's there's articles alleging everything under the sun right and people can assert things and you know they may not be true but if a huge population of people believes it then it is so what's the fucking difference right and that's something that bruce talked about on our patreon episode if you haven't listened take a moment we would be so grateful if you subscribed we would love to have you join us yourself. on patreon but we have an interview with blacklisted astrophysicist bruce route who specifically talks about the importance of he is talking about in regards to science and math but just in general why it's important to and we don't mean like 4chan but like why it's important to like actually do your own research read the science understand the math do the work for yourself to realize is this information i'm taking in and synthesizing is it just something being dictated to me or is it actually built on a solid foundation because So many groups of people will latch on to this quote-unquote fact or that quote-unquote fact and amass groups of people following them believing things that are just absolutely not grounded in any sense of the word reality. Right. Check your sources. Check your sources' sources. The one thing that I feel like is immune from this skepticism is so far what they are disclosing about the search for extraterrestrial intelligence. When Mm -hmm. I hear that, I don't think to myself, can I believe that? Yes, kind of. But it's just like less, it doesn't feel as motivated by corporate greed. Yes. That could be naivete. But like, you know, when NASA says something, I'm like, great. You know what? Like when when they disclosed, like we actually when the army was like, you know what, we admit actually this is real and we have not treated yes. it as real. Yeah, like with like the, that the Air felt Force video. like finally something that feels true mm-hmm. because what they were saying is we don't fucking know. Yeah. For the first time, the rest of the government is like, here's what it is. Here's what we need to do. I know what's best. They're yep. not going to do what's best. I'm going to do what's yep. best. And it's like, I have no idea what to believe because you're all talking with so much arrogance yeah. and ignorance at the same time. And honestly, the best science happens in the areas of I don't know. Exactly. And so that's why I trust space exploration is like the only field of Because it isn't a full stop. It's I don't know. Now what? Right. What do I know that I can put into application? What theories do I know that I can sort of come up with maybe something new to put into application? It's a starting point. Yeah. As opposed to being like, it's a weather balloon. Case closed. We're not going to look any further because we want you, you know, our motivation here is just to keep you ignorant and like, you know, whatever. It's just, I appreciate. Maintain a status quo. I appreciate being told the truth. Yeah. Which is that you don't fucking know. Yeah. I would like to hear a politician say, I don't it's fucking refreshing. know. Right? Yeah. Like, because no politician is going to tell you that they don't know. Yeah. Though I will say, who knows because it's moot at this point, but that video, so for example, if you if you haven't ever seen it, I'm sure you have, but if you, if you don't immediately know what we're talking about, we're referencing the video that's called the gimbal video. And gimbal just means like the type of rig that the camera was on underneath the plane okay got it but it's a video that was released from a camera taken by an air force pilot who was tracking and was able miraculously to follow to lock on to this who knows what it was that literally looked like a spinning top out over the ocean going at ungodly speeds that are unknown to physics yeah any capabilities owned by the u.s government i mean it was really something to see but something from like a type two type three what i mean is it's kind of moot to bring it up because it's hypothetical there's no way to know one way or the other right but that video was actually leaked and then the air force was forced to comment on it right so it's not like the air force was in possession of this video guys and we're like 
we want to let the world know we saw this thing. Right. They only let the world know that they didn't know what it was because somebody scooped them. I'm glad that they also were like, yeah, this is a legitimate video. Like, you know, we live again in this like post-truth world. Like we had a whole White House administration that would deny what we were seeing with our eyes as legitimate. 1984. Yeah. Like being like, oh, that's fake news. Yes. You know, like basically like it's like the equivalent of like having all of these like classified documents released and the government being like those are all fake pay no attention to that man behind the curtain so it's like it's it's so it's so it's a relief to just hear someone be like yeah yeah that's real yeah we're not going to deny that that's real yep yeah it's fascinating it's a fascinating thing that i i feel like even in the entirety of my and your lifetime we're still not going to have maybe as many answers that we'll have but we'll definitely have more breadcrumbs than we have right now i can't wait and right now we definitely have to die <laughs> a grocery store's worth of breadcrumbs more than we had in the 60s oh yeah more than we so had it's like eight weeks ago <laughs> before we started this podcast. just why in general it's important to like you said remain skeptical not distrustful not cynical but skeptical listen to what's being said because then if you're just in general finding actual credited and credible sources about any given topic you'll be able to weigh what's being told to you against what you actually know that's been established to be true because it upholds right and as bruce says the truth will out. Guys, we've given you a lot to chew on what today. A chewy week. Really a chewy. Chewy week, a gummy banana week. Chewy like your keto bars. I'm sorry we shamed you for them. I bet that I bet that banana is quite chewy, though it probably tastes this one? bad. It's so gummy. I've been playing with it the whole time. Well, y'all, check us out. We're on all the platforms now. We even have a TikTok. We joined and TikTok. It's taking off. It's TikTok. TikToking. Search for us. It's just it's the same name as every other social platform. Radar Except Peak for our Patreon. Pod. So anyway, all that to say. To say. I know last week you sort of like got our hopes up about three body, but yes. next week we're we logging are actually logging back, back on to three body the video game in the meantime give us a follow on social media it's radar peak pod on tiktok twitter and instagram and if you would like bonus content find us on patreon at patreon.com slash radar peak we would love to see you there and until next time we invite you to log on in the future you've been listening to radar peak a three body podcast subscribe and download on apple podcasts or on spotify so you never miss an episode and for exclusive content we might not have time for subscribe to our patreon one last thing before you go if you enjoyed today's episode leave a review and tell your friends about us join in on the conversation when you follow us on twitter at radar peak pod see you there <laughs>